a Festivus for the rest of us. Another episode, time to listen up. We're here to celebrate the high school that we love. We'll hear the best from the students and staff. Homecoming mini thumb battle of the bands. News reports and interviews, come join us at the mic. It's time for us to live the Spartan life. It's Festivus season here at the Spartan Life. I'm excited. How you feeling, Mr. Yeah, Al? I'm excited. Festivus! Woo! So for those of you who don't know, Festivus is an alternative holiday for people who are tired of the religious and commercial aspects of other seasonal practices. And instead, we do things like the airing of grievances. Feats of strength. We gather around a pole That's rather correct. than a tree. Decorated with just a little bit of tinsel. Yeah, I find tinsel distracting. Tinsel is distracting. But let's get right to it. We got a whole lot going on here. We got some segments that were produced by students in my public speaking class. And they did a really great job. So you guys are all going to enjoy that. We have a pair of interviews with staff members since we gave you two interviews with students last time. And we're going to kick things off by airing out those grievances. This is Colby Mooney's package story where he went around the building asking students and staff for their opinion on bands that are overrated. I got a lot of problems with you people, and you're going to hear about it. Music is something that many of us find in common with one another. We like the same bands, artists, genres, and bond over them. However, as I was tasked with making a package story for this podcast, I feared I wanted to head over to the dark side of music. Listen as we hear the students and staff's least favorite musical artists and why they don't like them. AJ, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? Bob Dylan. Bad voice. Just sounds like he's nasal. Ugh. Billy, what's your least favorite musical artist and why? I despise Nirvana with a passion. I find the singer, he is Kurt Cobain, was whiny, and the music I never got into. I mean, the guitar and drums was good, but it's just his voice was so unappealing that I could never even attempt to listen to it. Very bold answer, I like it, thank you. Charles, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? I think it's AJR is what they're called because it's very, it's very like, uh, like rippity dippity theater kid. <laughs> Daniel, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? Uh, probably Harry Styles because every time I listen, every time I listen to his music, like it just clashes with each other, and like his lyrics are so generic and like basically don't mean anything. That's like, I would rather just hear nothing. Ella, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? NBA Youngboy because I find him so irritating and his fan base is annoying as well. I just don't like him. Agreed. Overrated rapper. Thank you. Jack Johnson, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? Selena Gomez because her voice is just bad. Vincent Mazzatelli, what's your least favorite musical artist and why? Uh, probably Dave Matthews just because my mom listens to him and I find him repulsive. Mr. Dreaves, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? Millie Vanilli for copycats. <laughs> Thank you. Tassi, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? Nickelback, they know what they did. Mr. Rook, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? I would have to go with the Dave Matthews Band, and 
for multiple reasons. One, when I was in college, pretty much everyone listened to Dave Matthews, and I just thought it was boring. Um, and two, I don't like bands that kind of do the jam thing, and he'll just like jam on in his songs. Um, and lastly, I don't like to hang out with people who are listening to the Dave Matthews Band because they're generally boring as well, period. <laughs> Thank you. Good answer. Miss Dottery, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? Mariah Carey. And although she might be talented, I just don't enjoy her vibe. Miss Smith, what's your least favorite musical artist and why? My least favorite musical artist is either Lizzo or Megan Trainer because the songs are catchy and I will admit that, but the lyrics aren't quality, so. Robin, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? Uh, Pierce the Veil, because my ex-girlfriend listens to too much Pierce the Veil. I can't handle it anymore. It messes with my head. Yeah. Sam Desai, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? Uh, Steve Lacey, because of his fans. Josh Miller, not the principal. Who's your least favorite musical artist and why? Cardi B. And this is because I think she's just a really, really bad example for the next generations. And she's just, her music is just awful. It's like nails on the chalkboard to listen to. She's just very inappropriate. And she presents herself to kids with this kind of content. And it's just horrible. It's, it's not something that kids should be seeing. So I disagree with Cardi B and all her beliefs. Valid answer. Thank you. Brandon, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? The Arctic Monkeys, because all of their very popular songs are repetitive and annoying, and I've never liked them. David, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? It's gonna be actually Lil Baby, because honestly, his voice is annoying, and he raps over like aesthetic beats, and it just does not mesh at all. Helena, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? Slipknot, because it's annoying. Kai, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? Uh, Maroon 5, because one of my best friends uh, was a big Maroon 5 fan, and he pummeled me with Maroon 5 songs. I hated it. Katie, what's your least favorite musical artist and why? Um, well, I'd have to say any musical artist that my brother Brian Farrell enjoys, specifically heavy metal music, specifically, specifically, like Slipknot or Tool. Um, because I just, I don't understand how people can actively, like, listen to that and enjoy it. Like, especially if you have it in AirPods and you're just, like, sitting at home listening to Slipknot, which is literally them just screaming. I, I just, I don't understand. That's what I just don't get. Understandable. Thank you. Luke Lee, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? Luke Bryan, because his music's corny, it's cringy. And it sounds like it was made in a recording setup in a Walmart store. <laughs> Matthew Mance, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? BTS, because I don't like K-pop. Mr. Castagna, what's your least favorite musical artist and why? I've never been a big fan of the Beatles. Uh, Beatles, I think, get too much credit for their three chords and a smile approach to pop. And, and really, if you don't like pop music, we have them to blame for it. There was some really cool edgy rock back then. I think the Stones are a good example of, of the dark side of rock and roll. The Beatles had none of that, and I was always more of a Stones guy. Plus, if you look at their, their individual catalogs after the band broke up, none of them could equal the success of the Beatles. They were pretty useless on their own. I know it's a bit of a hot take, but uh, yeah, not a fan of the Beatles. Bold answer, but I agree. Thank you. Mr. Hummel, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? I think Bruno Mars is my least favorite musical artist because everyone thinks he's so original and I just can't stand his vibe and I think it's not original at all. Mr. Z, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? Guns N' Roses by far because Mr. Castagnan likes him a lot. 
Mrs. Peralta, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? Beyonce. I don't understand what the hype is all about her. I think I've heard better singing voices. I think she's pretty. She can dance. I understand, but I just don't think she's that has that great of a singing voice. Miss Spritzer, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? I 100% do not understand why Carly Rae Jepsen ever got famous for Call Me Maybe, period. Good answer, thank you. Nolan, what's your least favorite musical artist and why? Cardi B is completely talentless. And not only is she talentless, she's an awful human being. She, okay, I don't know, I don't know what the maturity rating on this is, but some things she did in her past, such as drugging men and then robbing them, not only, not only did she admit to doing, but she did not apologize. In fact, she said she had to do it so she could get studio time. She had to do it so she could become famous. And how do we reward that? We, we put her on the Grammys. We, we, we put her on stage. We cheer for her, for her awful music. She's completely talentless, an awful person, and does not deserve the recognition that she gets. And the only reason she has it is because her society is sick and needs to be burned to the ground. Ryan D'Amato, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? Uh, Playboy Cardi, he's just slow, honestly. Slow? Music's just slow paced. Avery, what's your least favorite musical artist and why? I just don't like Taylor Swift. Like, I've never liked Taylor Swift, and I feel so bad, like, as a woman saying that, because she's an awesome feminist, but, like, there's just something just so, like, basic and like I don't know she just sounds like every other person and also Lil Tecca I hate Lil Tecca he just sounds like like a child like what you want like you know I just rappers that have that little boy vibe no 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 thank you both valid answers Ben Burgos who's your least favorite musical artist and why I'm gonna have to go with the Beatles unfortunately because every time I listen to their music it makes my head hurt Cyrus, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? Babytron just says like one line after another that's not even related, so his songs don't mean anything, they just rhyme. And then he licenses music like without the copyright, so it's illegal, and then he just passes it off as his own music. Like he literally just copied the Fox NFL sound onto a song. Arrest Babytron, thank you. Maggie, what's your least favorite musical artist and why? I have two, Pearl Jam and Dave Matthews. Why? I hate Pearl Jam because the voice sounds really, really weird and it really annoys me. It sounds like he's like screaming into the phone. And Dave Matthews is just awful. It's, it sounds like someone like is playing just random chords on their music and then just like singing in like a very deep, like gross voice. Mr. Cooperman, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? Coldplay, they're terrible. They're awful. Miss Dieterville, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? Un chico que se llama Da Baby. All right, thank you. Miss Schiffer, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? Marilyn Manson because he's scary. <laughs> Valid answer, thank you. Nathaniel, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? I just gotta go with Morgan Wallen. Like, I, I'm not even that opposed to country. He's just racist and his music is not that good, so I'm opposed to him. Valid answer, thank you. Okay, Rachel, what's your least favorite musical artist and why? My least favorite musical artist is Harry Styles because I feel like his music is really superficial and everybody always overplays it. Okay, Sam, what is your least favorite musical artist and why? Five Seconds of Summer, because they're a boy band and they're overplayed and people act like it's good and force it down your throat. Christian Trevis, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? Uh, Krishan, because his only hit single is very, very bad. Sin, 
<laughs> Sin City was a maid for you. Valid, thank you. Mr. Miller, the principal, who's your least favorite musical artist and why? I wouldn't go with artist, I would go with style, and it would be old school country, and it would strictly be because of the lyrics of that time. Gotcha, thank you. My findings conclude that AJR, Dave Matthews Band, and Cardi B are the most hated musical artists at Suddenly High. Not surprising by any means. I mean, who enjoys Rippity Dippity Theater Kid, a boring jam band, or a rapper who manages to make Nolan Sargent furious at the world? Dave Matthews? I kind of like Dave Matthews' band. Yeah, Crash Into Me is a jam. Crash Into Me. You know what's fun, though? Yeah, I like that one. If you look up on YouTube, Dave Speak, there are supercuts of him just shouting gibberish at his concerts. <laughs> he, he shouts gibberish in some of his live, al- live albums, too. Have yeah. you heard that? Yeah. It's pretty hilarious. Yeah. Anyway, we thank Colby Mooney for participating in The Spartan Life and submitting that package story. And now we're on to the feats of strength. Yeah. So here is another presentation from a pair of students in my public speaking class. This is Nick Ventresca and Michael Fluck, a duo calling themselves the gym bros they went around the building and they wanted to know about gym habits and gym motivation among the students and staff what's going on everybody welcome to the gym bros podcast i'm nick and i'm mike mike you've been hitting the gym lately man yeah i mean i hit the gym every day before school how about you every day after school i hit go to pump iron why do you go nick Well, I'm really big on self-improvement and working on myself for my mental health. I think it's really, really beneficial to be able to pump iron when you have a bad day, you're angry, or just to make yourself feel better. You know, I'm really big on fitness, and I like to almost gain respect so people can see the hard work I put into it. What about you, man? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I go mostly for self-improvement, and I'm always setting goals to make myself better. Good answer, man. Well... Today, guys, our goal is to figure out what's your why's. Why do you guys go to the gym? Who am I joining with here? Colby. Colby, do you go to the gym? Yes, absolutely. Colby, we're going around asking people what their why is. So what's your why? Why do you go to the gym? And what are your long-term goals? I go to the gym because I, I did not feel... I started going because I didn't feel good how I felt in my own body. And um, it was really a matter of... Because I didn't play any sports, I, I saw potential because in middle school, like all these kids who were into sports and stuff, they were like doing, like start going to the gym and they got me wrapped into it. And so I saw that gap with not playing sports, that extra time to be able to work on my body and be able to go 100% at the gym while they were like maybe 50-50 with sports and the gym. Gotcha. And what would you say your biggest motivator is? The pursuit of muscle mommies. All right. Thanks, Colby. Yeah. Who am I here with? Uh, Kane Boyle. Kane. You go to the gym, correct? Correct. Now, what's your reason for going to the gym? What's your why? What's your goals? Um, I just love making myself better every day, improving who I am, Um, you know, getting stronger every day. Um, I love seeing improvement and honestly just working hard. And Kane, what would you say your biggest motivator is? My biggest motivator? Uh, I'd say either myself or my friends around me. They're always pushing me to be a better person. Always helping me strive to be a better person. Um, yeah. Thanks, King. No problem. Mr. Costagna, do you go to the gym? I do. Why? 
Uh, two reasons. Uh, at this point in my life, I want to make sure that I can keep up with my daughter, who's 11 and has a ton of energy. And uh, I'd like to look halfway decent at the beach. And dad bods tend to run in my family. Would you say that your daughter is your biggest motivator? Yeah, yeah. In a couple of years, she'll probably be faster and stronger than me. And I'm not looking forward to the day when she can beat me at stuff. So I'd like to prolong this phase where I can beat her for as long as I can. What's your favorite exercise or favorite way to work out? Push-ups, man. Push-ups. Tried and true. They never fail. Uh, if they're not working for you, you just got to do more of them. Do them every day? Do them every day. 100 push-ups a day. Thanks, Mr. Tiger. Got it. Jack, how are you today? I'm lovely. How are you? I'm awesome. Jack, do you go to the gym? Uh, yeah. Now, why do you go to the gym? What's your um, I feel like it makes me, it uh, provides better mental health, and I just feel so much better physically, like, after getting done with the gym. I feel, it's like a rush of endorphins hitting your head. Now, would you say improving your mental health is your biggest motivator as to why you go? Um, I would say so, yeah. I feel like it provides a lot of, like, that's the main reason, as long as just the benefits of it, being able to provide longer health and everything like that. What's your favorite thing about going to the gym? Oh, I get to see you every day there. I uh, appreciate it, man. <laughs> Thanks, Jack. No problem. I'm joined here with Mr. Hop. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing all right. So I heard that you wake up at 5 in the morning every single day to work out. Is that every, true? Every day, except for Saturdays and Sundays. Usually sleep in a little bit there, but Monday through Friday, yep. Now, what kind of working out do you do? Uh, it's something that I usually uh, put on a video or like an online streaming thing and work out in my basement. So it's a little weight training. It's a little cardio, a little bit of both. And the big question today here is, why do you work out? What's your big reasoning? What's your motivation? Well, Mr. Castagna would tell you, because my wife forces me to. But that is not, in fact, the case. It's because it makes me feel really good. Gets my adrenaline going for the day and helps me wake up. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mr. No problem. Mr. Rook, why do you work out? So I work out for my health and, to be honest, more for even for my mental health. You feel better mentally once you're done with a workout. And you would say your health is your greatest motivator? Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, why do you go to the gym? I go to the gym because I've played soccer the majority of my life, and I've never had the ability to put on muscle. So now I'm done, and I want to put on some muscle. Gaining size, that's your biggest motivator? Yes, definitely. And what's your favorite thing to do in the gym? My favorite thing to do in the gym is definitely legs. I love me a good leg day. Me too, man. Thanks. I'm here with Evan. Evan, why do you go to the gym? I want to get big. Now you say you want to get big. Do you have any motivation to why you get big or any specific reasoning? Um, I feel like when you're big, you can accomplish more things. Life is easier. Uh, people look at you different. It's the only way to show off your body and show off how hard you worked. Now would you also say you work out so you're a better, fo better football player? Yeah. Thanks, Evan. No problem. Newton, why do you go to the gym? Uh, makes me happy. allows me to you know, de-stress, unwind, uh, kind of be in my happy place in a way. Um, release any like emotions that I may be feeling like whether you like went through something like a hardship or you're just having a good day it allows you just go and express yourself like in a physical form gotcha what would you say your biggest motivation is to go to the gym um, probably seeing other people there and seeing like how far they've come and seeing like other other people's transformations and like what they've achieved through like staying consistent um, being themselves doing what they love and not letting other people tear them down for what they love good answer I'm honest to hear that you're going to be involved in a bodybuilding competition soon. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yes, sir. I'm going to be doing classic physique uh, for um, uh, debut 16-year-olds uh, coming June 24th. So right now I'm like 28 weeks out, I think. So, yeah. Good luck, Noon. Thanks. Yep, anytime. I'm here with Mr. Donnelly. Mr. Donnelly, why do you go to the gym? For health and strength. 
And what would you say your biggest motivation is lifting weights? Staying strong in old age. Gotcha. And what's your favorite thing to do when you work out? Squat. What was your max squat? 455. Wow. Thanks, Mr. Donnelly. Yeah, that was your max. Caleb, why do you go to the gym? Because I like chest day. Say you like chest day. Now, I hear from just word on the street is that you skip every day in the gym except chest. Why? Because chest day is the best day. So when somebody looks at your legs and asks you why you have such small legs and such a huge upper body, what do you tell them? Because I skip leg day. Thanks, Caleb. Thank you. I'm here with Mr. Miller, the principal. Mr. Miller, why do you go to the gym? Uh, for me, it's about staying healthy. Uh, I have some young children, and I want to make sure that I'm around for a long time to see them grow up. And you mentioned your children. Are they your biggest motivation? Definitely my motivation behind going to the gym. Now, when you go to the gym, lift weights, et cetera, whatever you do, what's your favorite thing to do? Um, I would say my favorite thing to do would probably be like hit sessions where I do uh, mid-level weight, a lot of reps uh, on a time basis to keep the cardio working in with the strength. All right. Thank you. So as you heard today, there are many reasons for joining the gym and working out. They can vary from being forced to by your wife or just self-improvement. Everybody has a why. We'll, we'll see, see you next, next time, time on, on Jim Bro's Podcast. Podcast. Stay, Stay huge. huge. So hold on. So you joined a gym. I joined a gym. Is this after you listened to the interview that these guys just did? I was somewhat inspired by the Gym Bros podcast. So, so the Gym Bros inspired you to go join a gym. Tell me about this. I worked out yesterday in a way that I haven't worked out since I was 16. I was there for over two hours. You know, three sets of each exercise. Like doing it to failure. It's machines. Yeah. It's, it's weights. You know, like it's, it's classic iron. It was great. Um, I can't walk today, <laughs> but it was pretty awesome. Speaking of feats of strength. Our next interview. Yeah. yeah. With an accomplished equestrian. Which I did not know prior to this interview. I didn't either. Uh, we also asked her about famous horses. We'll see what she knew about that. This is our interview with Mrs. Schiffer. We're sitting down this afternoon with Mrs. Schiffer. How are you, Mrs. Schiffer? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Mr. Halp, how about you, buddy? Yeah, I'm here, man. I'm ready to go. Rock and roll. All right. Now, you, I think, Mrs. Schiffer, it's accurate to describe you as serving a niche market here at Southern Lehigh High School. So why don't you tell us about the role that you play here? Sure. So I am the AP psychology teacher. I have six sections, 100-ish students. I had 101 at one point, so I call them my Dalmatians. But yeah, AP <laughs> psychology all day, every day. Wow. How did that happen? Because obviously you're in the social studies yeah. department, and I would assume you have a social studies degree or certification. Um, how did it come to pass that you inherited six sections of just AP psych? Yeah, so well, AP psychology is always a very popular course in any high school. I think it's super interesting. Students love learning about themselves and why other people have some interesting behaviors <laughs> and thought process. So um, I think it's always a popular choice, but this particular situation was unique. I wasn't actually hired to teach AP psychology at all. Um, I had taught AP psychology at my previous district, and it just worked out that the stars and moons aligned that I would teach AP psych here as well. Um, but I, I think some interesting things transpired this summer, and in order to make the schedule work, it just ended up being six sections of AP psych, and I'm loving it. 
So when you were hired, mm-hmm. was there any conversation about what you were going to teach or you were just hired as a social studies teacher in general? I was actually hired as the ninth grade civics and gov teacher. Okay. And then I believe there was a resignation in the department and so everything had to get shifted around. So because I had taught AP Psych and had a strong background, it just, I think, made sense to put me in that course. I've taught multiple sections of, mm-hmm. of courses at a time. Four, four is the most that I've ever taught of the same course. I can't imagine teaching six of the same class. Mm-hmm. Like I, the third time through, I'm like, did I say that already? I oh, feel like I'm repeating myself. I say that to my students all the time. They'll tell you that I've sometimes my own jokes aren't as funny. Like I have some like, you know, no, 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 jokes no. that just work really well in like the section. And by the fourth time you tell it, I'm like, oh, it's really a lame joke, but yeah. I mean, I have to commit to it. Cause <laughs> yeah. But I, I think by the fifth or sixth time I teach the, the class, I do have to dig a little deeper because I want my students to get the same experience, but yeah, it does get a little, it gets challenging, but it's fun. So for any of our listeners who are not teachers, that confirms that, yes, we do walk into the classroom with a script every day. Yeah. Like, we've got scripted jokes, mm-hmm. and they do get a little stale after yeah. that third or fourth time. There's a joke that I have that I'm going to tell in about two weeks from now in Algebra 2 that I already know is coming. I <laughs> already know it's coming because it's, it's, like, all laid out in front of me. Yeah. So, so you mentioned you came to us from another district. Mm-hmm. Where, so I know that was up north. We had talked about yeah, that earlier. Yeah, I taught at Lehighton Area School District in the high school for about 10 years. And that was your first teaching job was there? Um, sort of. I had a, um, had a long-term sum position, and then I had a one-year position at a charter school. Um, and then I got picked up at Lehighton and stayed there for 10 years. So what made you decide to go into education to begin with? I think... Uh, such an interesting question because I don't know that it was ever really a choice. I feel like a lot, not to be cliche, but I feel like for most of us teachers, it is something that we're just like meant to do and it just happens pretty organically. So I had always enjoyed my classes as a, as a student. And I think we all have those teachers that we loved and then the teachers that we absolutely couldn't stand and thought we could do better than they did. Um, but I actually went to, uh, when I came out of school, I actually took a different approach and worked in the corporate world for a few years. Um, and my fiance, now my husband, was in law school. And I, it was a difficult time in our economy. And I was working in um, at a payroll company and doing some sales, so training adults. Um, and it was difficult. It was a difficult time in our economy. There were small businesses closing and I was working in their small business unit. So we'd be calling up uh, businesses offering our services and they're like, we're not even able to keep the doors open. It was just, it was just a difficult time. And my husband and I talked fiance at the time and he was like, why don't you go back to school? Like I'm heading, settling into my career. And you've always said you wanted to be a teacher. I taught horseback riding lessons. I would teach Sunday school, pretty much any opportunity I had. I was always interested in teaching. Um, so I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to do that. And it was a leap of faith because I went from making some pretty good money, um, but it was a hustle. It was a grind. It was sales and commission and always a new month. And um, But it, it was scary, but I'm, I'm glad that I made that choice. I'm glad that my husband encouraged me to just kind of try something different. And that's sort of been a theme in my life too. Even coming here to Southern Lehigh, it was like 10 years at one district, you're comfortable. You don't really need to go anywhere. And um, deciding to take the interview and and then eventually the position was a leap of faith in some ways that this would work out and it has so far so so it's interesting that you describe most teachers as being called to the profession mm-hmm. um 
So it sounds like either you didn't hear that call yeah. early on or you ignored that call for other reasons. Yeah. What compelled you not to become a teacher the first time around when you went to college? If I'm being completely honest, Please I do. Wanted, this is the Spartan yeah. lights, right? We <laughs> I, want honesty. I wanted to make more money. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I wanted to make more money and I always felt that teachers were underpaid and underappreciated and... So I wanted to do more, but I think part of the reason we get into education is because we make connections with students, and that is something that we we feel destined to do. But do I wish it came with a little bit more money? Sure. Yeah. We definitely are in it for the intrinsic motivation, yeah, you have not to really be. the tangible. I love you know, the use of psychology terms. Keep it, keep it coming. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> I, that, might, that might be the peak for me, though. Just just warning you. I was once told that getting up every day and enjoying what you do is worth a million dollars. Yeah. It's not. A million dollars is worth a million dollars. Yeah. Uh, but there is great value in it. There is. There are times that I find myself smiling and laughing with my students. I'm like, this is a pretty great gig. And then there are days when it's paperwork and it's a grind, but that's any career, any profession. It's, it's, it's fine. It's all good. So speaking of more money, your husband is a courtroom lawyer. Is that correct? Yeah. He's a criminal defense attorney. Criminal defense attorney. I mean, so this is like the kind of stuff you see on TV. I'm curious though, who comes home with better stories at the end of the day? So we both say that neither one of us could do each other's job. So he would never have the patience to be a high school teacher. And I would like want to take every client and like give them a home and like, yeah, it would just be bad. I'm sorry. So he defends criminals. Oh yeah. We talk about and that. could never work with teenagers. Yeah. But the difference is he can like tell them how he feels feels about <laughs> their activities and poor decisions, where I think as Fair teachers, enough. we have to be a little bit more delicate about those things. So no, he, he's able, he's working with adults, so he can say, listen, I don't know what you think you're doing here, but it's not working well for you. Is he allowed to share stuff with you? Yeah, but you know, he's a great defense attorney. It's all allegedly, and you know, there's, there's, you know, innocent until proven guilty. So, my daughter actually, a great story is that my daughter was not feeling well recently. And so, my husband said, you know, it's difficult this time of year to take off as teachers. So, I was like, I really need, she felt well enough to, you know, I felt comfortable with her staying home, but I didn't really want to stay home. I wanted to go to school. So, um, my husband was like, you know what, I'll just take her to my office with me, but I have to stop at court in the morning. So the logical parent in me said, surely he's just going to court to like drop off paperwork. No, no. He decided to bring my seven-year-old to a criminal sentencing hearing for a gang member. So she had quite the education. Um, and so he asked her, do you think that that daddy's client should have gotten more or less time? And she said, uh, more time. And he's like, well, she's not going to be a criminal defense attorney. So she doesn't have a future. In it, so. All right. Um, first of all, your daughter's not getting away with anything. No. No, well, but she no. also, from the age of two, my husband taught her that you don't talk to the police without an attorney present. So she'll, she would tell her friends that at birthday parties. I'm like, don't have her repeat these things. He's like, she needs to know her rights. <laughs> it's great. 
as entertaining as that <laughs> anecdote was, I'm determined to not let this interview become another interview about your daughter's story. Yes. You want to share the gist of it yeah, very sure. quickly? Sure, sure. Go she ahead. was uh, uh, diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia at four and a half years old, fought a good battle for two and a half years, and is now in remission and doing amazing and is a typical seven-year-old with a big attitude. So I love it. I well up yep. every time I hear that. Aww, it's so great thank to you. hear. She's but a good kid. I want this to be about you. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to acknowledge that at all, it's just to ask you this. Mm-hmm. How were you changed by that experience? Or, or what advice do you have for those of us who you know, maybe complain about things on a daily basis, but haven't been through something like that. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I complain about things all the time too. (laughs) It it still happens, but I think going through that journey has given me a lot of perspective. And I I was just having this conversation with someone. They asked me if they, if I get frustrated at school when people are, students are complaining about something. And I was like, you know what? Honestly, no, I think that my journey's made me a better teacher. I have more empathy and understanding. And I know that everyone carries around something heavy and, you know, doesn't always, doesn't always wear that outwardly. And I know there's been many a days that I've had a lot of things on my mind and worried about my daughter and the future. And I'll kind of put the mask on and, and play the role of being a teacher. And um, I know other people have to do that in their everyday life too. So it's made me a little bit more um, just to take a step back and think, you know, everyone's going through something and give that person a second chance or a little grace. Um, so I, th- I think my journey has changed me in those ways for sure. Okay, good. So now 100% back to you. All right, cool. You mentioned earlier that one of the reasons you became a teacher is you liked school. You had done well in your classes. So in layman's terms, you were a nerd. Yeah, sure. Uh, And I like that you use that in past tense because definitely present tense nerd for sure. Oh, uh, in what way? Are you like nerdy about pop culture stuff or you just love to learn? I do love to learn, but I'll like, I I love psychology. So I am always listening to podcasts and, uh, you know, every time a student or anyone says anything to me, I'm like always bringing things up. Like you just used a psychology term or, Oh, do you know there's this amazing case study about that particular thing? And no one ever asked, but I always will offer it. And no one cares. No one cares, but I do. I'll come into AP. I'll be like, Oh my God, do you guys know there's a new Cormac McCarthy book coming out? And it's like crickets. And I just keep going. Yeah. Like, and there's a sequel to it coming out like a month later. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited. They don't want to hear it. Yeah. No, that's the key. Just keep talking. That's it. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. People, have to develop some kind of an interest mm-hmm. if you're just going to keep talking. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I mean, I'm also true. nerdy about uh, horses as well. I know that this is probably going to get brought up, but I usually tell my students that in the very beginning that, because like apparently there's these videos on TikTok of like horse girls, they have a, listen, it's not, does, it's not a dirty <laughs> thing, but like we're very nerdy. <laughs> so growing up, like that's all I cared about. So I was definitely the kid at school that was like horse t-shirt. My Little Ponies. Mm-hmm. The oh, binder yeah. keepers, like everything. It'd be like, write a creative story about anything. And they're like, this one's writing about horse, horses. Yeah. And then I wanted to share it and I would make everyone listen to my very long detailed story about horses that no one cared about. So I think it was like middle school that I realized that I needed to like rein that it in. in. <laughs> <laughs> to rein that in. So, so what's your feeling on unicorns? I mean, 
They are they exist. like horses with yeah. horns and yeah. that's yeah. it? Or like, I mean, like, they, so it's like a real thing? Yeah. Okay, absolutely. absolutely. That's a, you can't convince me otherwise. So, so I was surprised when I was reading through, yes, we do prep work and I read mm-hmm. the questions. I was surprised we. about the... What's this we? You write the questions. <laughs> I read them to make sure I know what we're going to talk about. I was surprised about the horse thing. That, yeah. that so, so what got you interested in... So I've done in, a good job of keeping that right. below the surface. Yeah. So what, what made you... What made you a horse girl? I don't know. I think I was just born that way. My father would say that those were like my first words after just like the normal was like I was pony and then very quickly followed by daddy, I want a pony. And I think they entertained me by, cause I wouldn't shut up about it. So they took me to, um, some local riding lessons. I know my family was not involved with horses. So they just like found a barn. They're like, Oh, this one works. And, um, I just, it started never ended. So my dad would always be like, it's just a phase, right? Surely by the time she's 16, she'll be boy crazy or she'll get into something else. But I'm almost 40 and it is still very much so a big part of my life. So, yeah. Are you an only child? No, mm-mm, I have an older sister. And was she into horses as no. well? Mm-mm, boys. Yeah. So I think my dad in some ways <laughs> was happy that, uh, that I was into horses. He says that all the time. He'd pay that, that price again because, and I actually have, so I have an older biological sister, but I have two stepsisters as well. So I lost my mom at, at as a teenager. I was 13, almost 14 years old. Oh, so wow. I'm sorry my dad to got, hear that. No, it's okay. My dad got remarried, but you know, he was a single father for, for a while. So he had to make sure he knew where I was. So my sister was boy crazy and wild and he didn't know where the heck she was, but I was at the barn. So that was an easy, easy sell for him. Was there ever any jealousy from your siblings that obviously your dad was spending tons of money on you? Because being an equestrian is expensive. Yeah. And like, I don't know, maybe another sibling was into baseball and it's like, here's your glove. Yeah. no. <laughs> my sister wasn't into, like, she was never into sports or anything. So, but trust me, she was spoiled in different ways. But um, I worked off a lot of the barn stuff too. So I'd be at the barn and I would work uh, clean stalls and, and learn all about horse care so that I could uh, also continue my habit. So, wow. yeah. They, they could make like four movies about you. <laughs> like there's a, no one would come see. There are a couple... <laughs> Well, there are a couple like Lifetime movies yeah. about you and your daughter. There's yeah. a Lifetime movie in yeah. there about you and your mom, mm-hmm. and, you know, your dad being the single dad. Yeah. You know, there's the bougie equestrian yeah. girl yeah. movie. And then there's the girl who's mucking out yeah. the stalls to pay her way through For her sure. equestrian yeah, experience. My dad was able to afford the, the habit, thankfully, but he definitely thought it was important that I understood the horse care too. So. I love that you call it a habit. It is a habit. <laughs> it, it's a habit. It's an addiction. I always, you know, my husband sometimes doesn't understand it. He's not into the horses either, but I'm like, Hey, some people have some must much worse, much more expensive addictions too. So this one is not that bad. I think it's one of the keys to life is just get obsessed with the Mm -hmm. right things. Yep. So you're still involved with horses, yes. horse, horseback riding yeah. now. So yeah. do you have a horse? Do you I own a do. horse? Do you like? Okay. I do own a horse. Yeah. I actually um, just sold my really good horse that I competed with, and I bought a very nice pony for my daughter. So I'm adjusting to being a, a horse mom now, <laughs> which is yeah. a different role. But then, so we've had her, and he's a large pony, so I, I can ride him as well. So it's just a pony, just a smaller horse, so. Um, but he's pretty cool, and his name's Cowboy. I was going to ask, yeah, yeah. what's the name? Who got to name him? McCoy got to name My daughter got to name him Cowboy, Cowboy. which was the second choice behind Buttercup, but I just felt like oh. that would give him a bit of a complex, so yeah. we went with Cowboy instead. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so this is new that I... Uh, 
um, am sharing a horse, but my daughter is actually not sure that she wants to ride much. So we're, we're not really sure what's going to happen next. I'm like a little heartbroken, but I don't want to force it on her. I think I got real excited when she just wanted to take a lesson. I was like, we need to get her a pony. And that was probably not my best judgment call. My dad loves it though. He's like, this is hilarious. He loves that I'm spending all this money on stuff. <laughs> Worst case scenario, mm-hmm. she's not into it and you get the pony. Yeah, it's fine. We're sharing the horses for us to share. Um, But, you know, I've bought and sold horses. I compete. So it's something that, you know, if he doesn't work out for us, he'll he'll find another really great home and I'll find something else. I'd imagine that's all pretty time consuming. Mm -hmm. And of course, teaching six sections of AP Psych, Mm -hmm. also time consuming. Mm -hmm. But do you have any other interests or hobbies uh, that you're obsessed with? No. No, I think that's about it. So you're the horse mom. Sorry, I almost said horse girl. I'm a, yeah, I'm, at the very least, horse woman. Yes, uh, but we'll go with horse mom. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's my daughter keeps me busy as you know with kids. So yeah. no, nothing really else. Just shopping. Is that a hobby? <laughs> Finding sure. a really good uh, sale. My wife would argue that it yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wish I could say like running, but it's not. I know I know you're a runner. Are you runner or I do. You, yeah. I do run, yes. I always say if I'm running, everyone else should also be running because something really bad's about to happen or there's a good sale at Nordstrom's. <laughs> it's one or the other. So you're either way, follow me. Something or away from something. <laughs> yes. Did I see you changed the other day to go like work out with Yeah, and that lasted for like three seconds. I couldn't find where they were and I went back and left. So <laughs> Did it's yeah. not going to happen. I, I do. I'm like, yeah, I do like to work out, but it's just not, I'd rather be out at the barn and riding and cleaning stalls. Like to me, that's, that's a clearing my headspace and getting a, some cardiovascular input. What workout were you going to do? Was it one of those videos they I follow? So. Oh yeah. my God. I did that with them for a few weeks, a couple years back. I thought I was going to die. Yeah, they're hard. Yeah. And I think of myself as, as being in pretty good shape. Yeah. Um, <coughs> I was awful. Sorry. Awful. Sorry. I did something in my throat. I apologize. <laughs> this guy could do it. This yeah. guy's up at 530 yeah. and his wife is forcing him oh, to yeah, cardio. Yeah, she's forcing me right Every right, day. Right, right. Every and day. you all saw his performance, of course, in the beep test. That's so right. He went <sighs> Um, now, you don't know what we're talking about there. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, because you're new to Southern Lehigh, which is one I'm of the reasons we're sitting down with you. And that's the one question I have left mm-hmm. is after 10 years, uh, you wanted to change. Mm-hmm. Why Southern Lehigh? What attracted you to Southern Lehigh? So I actually have a stepsister that works in the district, and she's like my best friend. We're the same age. Um, our parents got married when we were freshmen in college. We went to school together. Um, and she's been with the district for 15 years, I believe, and always very happy here. And we would talk about, oh, you need to come work at Southern Lehigh. And it's like, no, I'm so happy where I'm at. And again, I got hired into teaching when teaching jobs were very difficult to secure. So I was thrilled that after only like a short stint in long-term subbing, I was picked up pretty quickly. So um, I wasn't planning on really leaving, but you know, there, there's been a lot of change in education. And unfortunately, Lehigh didn't... Uh, was having some difficulties, a different school board. And, and I think post-COVID, there were a lot of changes in the community. And so my daughter was in a better place in her treatment. And I thought, you know what, I think now's the time to make a life change. And I saw that Southern Lehigh had a position. I talked to my sister about it a little bit. And she was like, I think it would be a, a good move for you. She knows nothing about the high school. She's at Liberty Bell. But um, I did my research and I thought that Southern Lehigh was the right fit. I taught at a smaller school and I really wanted to stay teaching at a smaller school. But I feel like Southern Lehigh has a big school feel to it. 
but it's still a small school. It has a really close knit community. So I was, I was different in a different position than I was when I first started teaching that I was able to be discerning about where I wanted to be and, and selective. So I really did choose Southern Lehigh and I'm thrilled with my decision. Did you interview anywhere else? Uh, no, I had a few second or a few interviews lined up, first interviews lined up, and um, I knew this was the right one. And I went through three interview rounds here, so not sure why. I don't think that happens very often, but it was some difficult decisions that they were making. So I was like, you know what, I'm seeing this through. I'm, I was really interested in the position. It was probably just that the people in charge of hiring kept turning over during mm-hmm. that process because yeah. we've had so much turnover. Sure, up there. and I think the change in the department too. That when yeah. we started the interview process, it was one position. Yeah. And by the time the second, the end of the second interview, it sounded like it was going to be two positions. So I think they wanted to continue to interview to make sure they were hiring the, the Yeah. The and candidate. they were replacing staff members who had been here for, for almost 20 time. years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very so that is a time. pretty big decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know in the English department, when we have a vacancy, which also not very often, because mm-hmm. you know, we, people tend to stay here. Mm-hmm. Um, once that position is vacant, we all descend upon it like vultures mm-hmm. to pick and choose the best classes. Mm-hmm. So did anybody fight you on those six sections of no. AP Psych? Nobody no. wanted it, no. huh? No. I think, I believe if I understand the story behind this, there was a teacher here who just taught AP Psych as Correct. well. Yeah. Yeah. That had Mr. resigned Cooper. previously. Yeah. Um, and so, no, I don't think anyone had ever really touched it. I know that um, there is on-level psych courses, but I, I don't think that that particular teacher wanted to take on another AP course. He already teaches AP um, US, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was it was like, hey, that's your that's your brain, baby. And I was I was psyched about it. <laughs> Man, I know. Second good I pun. Know. First, you were Thank reining you. it in. Now I you're know. psyched. I know. So I, I definitely wanted it. So I was glad, and I was psyched out of my mind. I'm, yeah, we'll see what comes next year offers though because yeah, I don't you think, think it'll I'll, change yeah I don't think I'll have six sections I think I'll have scaring people away I don't think so I think maybe a schedule you know, I'll probably have the same amount of students just in three or four sections then I'll have to pick something else up to help the rest of the department out anything you got your eye on Mm-mm. no no whatever I, yeah I'm I'm game I think again being a social studies teacher which is like we have to be okay with all of it so and it, I have a great department not to you know, brag on them too much. They are a good department. They're pretty amazing. I hope the English department's not listening, Mm -hmm. uh, listening, but I remember years ago we had like a cross curricular meeting Mm -hmm. with them. And I kind of snuck over to their side of the room. I was like, hey, guys, can you, like, adopt me? Yeah. You guys look like you're having a lot of fun. No, social studies teachers do have a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, historically. <laughs> number three, she <laughs> snuck that one in there on you, buddy. I didn't even catch that one. I did. <laughs> okay, let's have some fun. Okay. You're the horse mom. Yes. I got some questions for all you. All right. Now I'm nervous all of a sudden. I wasn't nervous until I had so much confidence, but now I'm worried. All right, go ahead. First question. Mm-hmm. Perhaps the most successful racehorse of all time. Secretary. The, oh, my. I didn't even finish <laughs> the question. The sentence. Gotta get a ding I sound mean, effect. Come on. I was going to say. Sure. Won the Triple Crown in 73 and was the subject of a biopic starring Diane Lane in 2010. Secretariat. All right, we're going to have to kick it up a notch, yeah, Mr. Howe. You should even ask her better, in a year. Even better than Secretariat, though, little fun fact, is that he had to race against Sham, who was probably, arguably, one of the best horses of his time, but just never was able to beat Secretariat. Had that horse raced in any other generation, he would have been unstoppable, but he what? had to race again. So he's number two. No one knows about him, but he was second in all of Secretariat's races. Is it more about the horse or the rider? Like mm. what Like what makes... 
these these triple crown winners so good? So for race both? for racehorses, I mean they they're just naturally athletic and amazing. And racehorses are different today than they were before. Like Secretariat could go the distance, but now they're really light boned and they're just built to be very fast. But <clears throat> a couple years ago, I believe there was a a horse that won the Derby that had he not had that jockey who was willing to make a pretty aggressive move. Um, I don't know that he would have been able to win. He would have been boxed out in against the rail and he took him wide around and, and was very aggressive in that move. So I think the jockey is strategically going to give a horse an advantage because they're going to guide them. But I mean, for speed wise, they're just incredible. They're phenomenal to watch. Well, now I know what it feels like to be Mr. Haup. <laughs> so I feel completely unprepared and out of my depth. You're welcome. I love racehorses. I'm glad. I'm glad you can feel that feeling. Okay. That, Ready? That feel. Go ahead. Second question. Okay. Wilbur's titular talking horse mm-hmm. in a 1960s sitcom, the theme song for which goes like this. Can you name that horse? Yeah, Mr. Ed, of course. Of course. Also, another fun fact, he was a saddlebred, a Palomino saddlebred, so not everyone knows that. That was his breed and color. So, but Mr. Ed, yeah. That's what you call owning the podcast yeah. host. Do you know right Do you know how they got him to talk? I was actually going to ask this question. I have a, an ongoing debate with one of my best friends for the last 20 years. My best friend insists they were shocking him with a cattle it's prod. It's not shocking I think him. it was this other thing that I think you're going to mention. They, peanut butter. Peanut yeah. butter on his lips. Peanut yep. butter on his lips. Yep. I heard that they used peanut butter and that they would use, uh, depending on the scene, like a little bit of wire, fish wire to, to manipulate his lips in a specific way. But yeah, horses make really funny faces when you put peanut butter or certain things in their mouth that they can't move around. So, but he, yeah, he was a great horse. All right. Let's try again. All right. The Lone Ranger's faithful companion. Trigger. No. 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 Incorrect. Do you know this one, Mr. Help? I I do. I know. I hope. I hope. So good right. about that trigger. one. Who's Trigger? Yes. Why did I think Trigger? Trigger right is away? another horse, but it, I think that's not. For for a brief time, my husband and I lived on um, family pro- his family's property, and we I had my horses at home. I normally have always boarded horses, but I kept them at home. And I was pregnant with my daughter, and my husband had to take my horse out to the field. And he, uh, it would be hilarious because it'd be like watching him walk a dog. My horse would just be all over the place, like, "Oh, I'm going to eat some grass over here." And like, you just have to like lead him straight. And he came in the one time, and he was frustrated. He threw down my horse's halter, and he's like your stupid horse was hi-ho silvering the whole way up the hill. And I had no idea what he was talking about. And then I, I remembered he was, re- we call it rearing, rearing. Yeah. because my husband took my advice and uh, wasn't allowing him to go wherever he wanted. And he was not thrilled with that. So yeah, hi-ho silvering. That was his. Hi-ho silvering. Trigger he, was Roy Rogers. There we go. Horse. I knew. There we go. Mm-hmm. the other famous cowboy. Darn. All right. In a 1979 film, a young boy is marooned on an island with this horse, who he then trains to become a champion racehorse. Yeah, it's a black stallion. That is the black yeah. stallion. But now oh. I can't think what his actual racehorse name was. I think he just called him Black, right? The Black, I believe. You're, I'm sorry, you don't Let's know. Let's go with that. I want to look this it up This is as much now, research I as I was willing to do. I think that's what they called him, the Black. I read every single one of those books. I know that's not a surprise, but... No, not at all. Not a surprise. Obsessed. Not at this point in the interview. <laughs> yeah, no. no. All right, final question. I know Mr. Halp knows the answer to this one. This one's a bit of a cheat. But again, we're around the same age and should have the same pop culture references. In the films, 
Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, no. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. I know. And Bill and Ted Save the Music. Mr. Hop knows where I'm going with this. That's all I can do. Bill and Ted are members of a fictional band whose music is destined to save the world. I want to say it. What is the name of that band? Okay, so I'm assuming, it's a, is it a horse restaurant? Horse related. Oh, my goodness. So I just, I'm so bad at any pop culture. I ha- probably have no idea. I've never even watched like the Goonies the whole way through. So oh, that's a husband, whole other podcast yeah, episode my right says all there. The time that I'm like an embarrassment. I was in the barn. I was reading books about horses. I didn't have time for this. I have no idea. Give me a hint, Mr. Haub. I am Bill S. Preston Esquire, and I am Ted Theodore Logan, and together and we, are we are Wild Stallions. Well done. Well done. So I had to cheat and ask about a horse that isn't even a horse just to get the win here. I'm not proud of of it, people, but I did it. Uh, Thank you very much for indulging us, Mrs. Schiffer, and for sharing some of your life story. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Thanks. Mr. Halp, I am so excited for our next interview. Yeah? Yeah, we got Michael Anthony. Wait. Michael Anthony? Yeah, Michael Anthony. Are you serious? I kid you not. This is a Spartan life get, man. Yeah, this is big. Yeah. Really big. Wonder if he's going to bring his bass. I Yeah, I don't I, I don't know. Do, do you think he's going to play something for us? Uh, maybe? Now, now do we have to pick him up in like an Uber? Do we get an Uber for him like an Uber X or something like that? Like an Uber Black where he's like driving Oh, I think I hope he's got a cool car from the airport. Yeah, I I I think he just drove here the, like like normal. Is any out in California? I don't, I don't think so. That'd be a but, really long commute. But Michael Anthony is here for an interview, and we flew him in just for this interview, right? What? Are, are we talking about the same Michael Anthony? Yeah, Michael Anthony. Bassist for Van Halen? Oh, no, 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 no. Not that Michael Anthony. I got Michael Anthony from the business department. Oh, well, I guess that's, I guess that's okay. Oh, you thought... Oh, yeah. Van Halen, yeah. Michael Anthony. Yeah. Oh, that explains all of our transitional sounds yeah. being Van Halen songs. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, well, anyway, here's our interview with Michael Anthony from the business department. Enjoy. Our guest for the next segment is our new business teacher, Mr. Anthony. How are you, Mr. Anthony? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Ah, doing okay. Mr. Haup, how you feeling? Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> What's the matter, Mr. Haup? Well, I thought it was going to be Michael Anthony. It is Michael Anthony. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. The bassist for Van Halen? Right, right, right. Oh, okay. man. <laughs> Listen, this is going to be... Just as exciting, I'd even argue more exciting than if we had Michael Anthony, the the bass player. All kidding aside, I'm excited to have Mr. Anthony here with us. I'm very excited. I'm very excited to be here. All right, so for the benefit of our listeners, and apparently Mr. Haup, who is a little unfamiliar with Mr. Anthony, (laughs) why don't you tell us a bit about the role that you play here at Southern Lehigh? So this is my first year at Southern Lehigh. I'm the new business teacher replacing Ms. Organsky. Um, our department's made up of two people with uh, me and Mrs. Peralta. And I'm currently teaching CTA, Intro to Business and Marketing, and also a co-advisor on FBLA. So just getting inter- integrated with everything in the business department so far. All right, so you mentioned a couple of names there. You mentioned Organsky, you mentioned Peralta. So you replaced Organsky, and that's a woman who had been here a little bit longer than me, so north of 20 years. 
Uh, so you've had to replace her, a 20-year veteran, and you're working very closely with Mrs. Peralta because, like you said, it's a department made up of two people. So what have those experiences been like? Have you faced unique challenges because of that? Um, has it been particularly helpful to have that kind of relationship as you navigate a new building? So right away when I learned about the job and it was a uh, department of two people, I knew that the relationship between Mrs. Peralta and I was going to be very important, especially knowing that the previous teacher, Ms. Organsky, and her had been together for a while. So when I'd gone through the interview process and I'd met Mrs. Peralta, I was immediately like, oh my gosh, this is somebody who I want to work with, right? And I thought I had botched the interview and that had really bummed me out because I told my wife and some family members, like, I really like the idea of this job. Like two-person department, you know, I'd met her and she seemed great. And, you know, I was fortunate to get this job and, you know, my thoughts, they were correct. I mean, Mrs. Peralta has taken great care of me and I've placed a high value on getting to know her and kind of trying to build that relationship as quickly as possible to replace that relationship that had existed for so long between her and Ms. Organsky, you know, so that's a huge part of this. What was it that you saw in Mrs. Peralta that made you immediately feel like this is a person I want to work with? You know, we have both very similar personalities. We're very, you know, outgoing, outspoken. I was fortunate to work in a little bit of a business background with my family owning a restaurant. She had a lot of business background and, you know, we just both kind of clicked right away. Very similar personalities. But this wasn't your first teaching experience. You had been someplace previous uh, before you came to Southern Lehigh? Yes, I had been at Pottsbury School District for four years, and I'd also been at a vocational school for a year. And I had been in larger departments, and I loved my departments, and I got along well. Um, and it was just such a unique idea to only have one other person in your department. Um, and you can just, you just, it just opens a lot of opportunities. You know, we just have such a great relationship. Um, we are so productive together. So I was very excited to get this opportunity. But now I'm just curious, um, was it Southern Lehigh that said, oh, it's time for me to change? And I, I, and you, you saw that we were offering a position here or were you just kind of looking to, to move on to something else? So being from Schuylkill County, um, I'd done some research on some of the other counties in the state, specifically the eastern part of the state, and Lehigh Valley as a whole really stood out. And then I started researching individual districts, and immediately Southern Lehigh popped out. I mean, Schuylkill County is not a very large county, and the schools aren't large. So coming from Pottsville... Um, which for most sports is 5A, and Southern Lehigh is mostly 5A, so they're very similar in size and enrollment. Um, but Pottsville is like a huge school in School County, um, where Southern Lehigh and the Lehigh Valley, it's not one of the biggest. Um, so for me, it was a great transition size-wise. Um, but Southern Lehigh is unique in regards to – I became a teacher – because I always liked the idea of like school pride, right? Like I wanted to be a, t a teacher at a place where people were proud to say they went there. And, you know, Pottsville emulated that in School County, but Southern Lehigh really takes that to a whole new level. When you talk about things like, um, you know, athletics and academics and extracurriculars, even things like this, you know, not every school has those things. And the school pride doesn't exist as much as it does here with students, faculty, parents, community members. I mean, it, it's an amazing place to be when you tell people, hey, I teach at Southern Lehigh, you know, it kind of catches them off guard. Like, oh, really? You know, it's, it's a very proud place to be, which is very exciting. So that's what attracted you to Southern Lehigh. Yes. What do you bring to the table? Like, where do you see yourself a few years from now at Southern Lehigh? What do you want to accomplish here? What roles do you want to fill? What's your vision? So 
it sounds corny and cliche, right? But like, there's so many career opportunities out there, but I chose to be a teacher and I chose it for that old school reason, right? Like you want to impact lives. You want to be the difference maker. Um, and that's what I want to be. I want to be, um, you know, one of those teachers that people talk about for years to come, right? Um, I don't want to go home at three o'clock every day. I want to be doing extracurriculars. I want to be making those memories in the classroom, right? Um, things that kids talk about. You know, we all have those favorite memories of our favorite teachers. And it's just, you know, doing something more than just teaching, having that impact on individual student lives, you know. So hoping to have that impact here as well. Where does that desire come from? Like what first inspired you to want to be that kind of teacher? Yeah, so I always had great teachers growing up. Um, They made some big differences in my life. You know, they gave me a lot of those great memories. They helped me get through, you know, some interesting years as we're growing up. Um, But also growing up in a family business and just being able to, you know, talk to people every day. Like people come in and they want to see you. And if you think about it, right, being in a, in a small family business, it's very similar to teaching. You have people who are coming in that want to, you know, talk to you and hear what you have to say and, you know, buy what you're selling. And that's what teaching is. If you're, if you're teaching effectively, kids are buying what you're selling. Oh, we are 1,000% <laughs> in Always. the customer service industry yes, for right. sure. But it's harder than selling pizza, I would think. Yeah, it's very, yeah. We're selling them for. things that they didn't come in to buy. Like yes. they are forced to come yes. in here and we're not just trying to sell it to them, but convince them that it's of value to them. Yes, right. <laughs> the, the sales skills really get to a whole new level when you're not selling pizza. But Jeez. Try teaching math. Yeah. Students <laughs> who do everything in their power to resist numbers in their lives. Hey, at least we still use math. Try teaching Shakespeare. Yeah. We don't even talk like that anymore. <laughs> So tell me more about this pizza place. Uh, This was in Frackville. Uh, How did that start? Like, how did your family decide they were going to open a pizza place? Uh, Was it as cool as it sounds? Yeah, so my parents ran it together um, before they had kids in the 80s. And then when they had kids, they gave it up for a little bit. Um, My dad worked as a corrections officer, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. And when we were old enough to kind of take care of ourselves, she decided to reopen it part-time. And I was in eighth grade when she reopened it. And I have two siblings, and they never really got as involved, And but I, I, I loved every part of it. So I worked all the time, as much as I could with my mom, um, and we kind of really built it to what it was together, um, and they just sold it last year. But, I mean, it was, it was a very small family business. It was my mother and I and maybe two to three other family members at a time. Um, it was part-time hours, so we were always there. But, you know, me and her were the driving force behind that. And we did a lot of fun stuff together and made some wacky specials. And it was a good time. So, so was this, it, it sounds like, was, was it out of your house? Was it run no. out of your home? I mean, just like you closed down for a little bit and then you reopened. Like, Well, they closed it down. They were renting it out. So I went through some other owners and then we we reopened it uh under our name and it was a lunchtime business so it was monday through friday 11 to 2 and then friday we had extended hours till 8 o'clock so we did one night so you know it was a very small family lunchtime business what was the wackiest special you guys came <laughs> yes. up with wackiest tell me, special. tell me it's pineapple and ham on pizza yeah. well that's wild with, with jalapenos <laughs> now it's wild man we did uh 
actually the name of the pizza was called Just Trust Me Pizza because we had to convince <laughs> people, like, just, just trust us, right? Like, just trust us. And it was, so Schuylkill County, and specifically the northern part, like Frackville, is notorious for sweet sauce, right? Like, every pizza place has a sweet sauce and then a traditional sauce. So it's funny, like, when you order the, you take a, an order and you say, do you want sweet or regular sauce? And everybody always says, you know, usually sweet, regular, or whatever. But then sometimes you get somebody who says, what? What did you just say? <laughs> so that's what Something I would do. Yeah. It's a and new you're, guy. And you're like, okay, you're not from around here. A regular yeah. sauce, right? <laughs> and so it was a sweet sauce pizza, which, you know, you're just adding sugar, brown sugar, something. And then it was to- it had steak, bacon, and it was topped with like a creamy buffalo sauce. Oh, my God. And you had to explain. You had to say, oh just God. trust me? Yeah. like, it was just like You yeah. give me those ingredients, I'm in. Yeah, I'm, it was I'm like the, the, the sweet sauce with the with the buffalo sauce on top. It kind of threw people a little bit. And it's like hot and honey wings. Yeah, You know right. what I mean? Yeah. It's like sweet. hot and honey wings. I'm like all in on this. Yeah, so people tried it. They trust us. And that was one of our biggest hits. Okay, there. next in service. Yeah, right next in <laughs> someone, service. Someone bring an uni in. And we'll, we'll get uh, Mr. Miller in on this, yeah. the uh, yeah. home ec yeah. teacher. Yeah. We'll use those ovens. It'll be great. Uh, did you ever think about pursuing that as a career? Yeah, we had some long talks, and uh, this is what's great about teaching business and specifically CTA. We talk a lot about um, you know entrepreneurs and your decisions outside of high school. And I had some long conversation with my parents, and to be an entrepreneur and to live that lifestyle, you really have to commit to it. You have to marry it. And I discovered early on it wasn't the life that I wanted to live. I mean. You know, and I have a lot of people who ask me, like, I'll be at a golf tournament on a Saturday, and somebody will say, oh, man, like, why, why wouldn't you take over the, the family business? I'm like, because I wouldn't be here right now. I'd be making pizza dough right now. And it's a, it's a hard lifestyle that a lot of people don't realize the harsh realities of, to make it specifically as a restaurant owner. Um, and like I said, it was part-time. It was a supplemental income for my family. You know, my dad was, you know, he was working full-time as a corrections officer. So it was just a little bit of an additional. But to, to run it full-time, I mean, that is a serious commitment. And, and a lot of people don't respect that. And that's why a lot of people, you you know, you can't make it because it, it is a big time commitment. So you mentioned specifically that you grew up in the Skook. Uh, and when we talked uh, recently, you said you couldn't wait to get out of there. <laughs> and you mentioned today the uh, the sweet sauce, which is a strange quirk of right. northern yeah, Schuylkill right. County. So tell us about more of that, the, the good and the bad of growing up uh, out there in coal country. Yeah, Skook's an awesome place. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love it. I say I was eager to get out. Um, but there are some some pluses and minuses. Unfortunately, with Schuylkill County, um, you know, it is going through its own, you know, economic phase. Um, but there's just not a whole lot to do, right? Like, it's just there's not a, a ton of activities to do. So it gets a little bit boring. And, um, you know, there's some other opportunities, specifically with school districts down here that I was excited um, to embrace. But the positives of Schuylkill County, it's a very small-knit community and everybody kind of knows everybody it's a place where no matter where you are you're going to run into somebody you know and and the people there are very close they will do anything for you i made some great relationships in school county um and it was an awesome place to grow up and and build those relationships but you know i got married this summer and my wife and i were just looking for a place with a little bit more you know things to do and opportunities so i do miss school county a lot specifically you know i was from frackville i went to north school but i got the job at Pottsville, and i kind of consider that my home school because i built a lot of great relationships there and i do miss it a lot now you said when you were looking for jobs in lehigh county one of the ways you were estimating if this would be a good fit for you was you sort of measured by sports 
And you were like, well, if they're in, you know, the 5A, 4A, they must be around the size I'm looking for. So thinking of it that way, you must be a guy with a sports background. So what sports did you play? What have you coached? Are you coaching anything now? What's your situation? Yeah, so growing up, um, I was always into sports, but I never had that that second gear that a lot of kids do to kind of take it to the next level with high school sports. I mean, that's some serious business right there, and you have to be very committed. And as fortunately, I didn't commit my myself as much as I would have liked to to play a lot of high school sports um, so I did a couple here and there I did basketball and track for fun like I threw track but never really competed um, you know like as a starter or anything like that which kind of then when I became a teacher I really wanted to get involved in coaching and I kind of embraced this mentality that I wanted to be an effective coach because I never had that opportunity to be an effective player myself so I was fortunate enough um, after high school I started golfing and I was able to get the varsity golf position at Pottsville so I coached golf for four years there um, I did six years of basketball to a North school school for Pottsville I did some varsity basketball I did a lot of junior high and then I actually got to do one year last year of JV baseball at Pottsville so I've been very involved with coaching so it's it's really weird this year um, I told Mr. Zimmerman I'd be open for anything and he rang my phone and said I need chain gang so I got to do chain gang here that's fun football. yeah it was awesome I mean it was cool because I got to be right on the sidelines. I went to every football game, and our football team had an awesome season, so it was very cool to watch that, you know, very up close. Um, so, And then in winter, I'll be working as an assistant athletic director, doing a little bit of game managing. So you'll see me at a lot of basketball games this winter. So I'm excited to uh, get to attend some of those as well. How about that as an ambition for you at Southern Lehigh? Uh, is there any particular sport on your radar that you'd like to throw your hat into the ring to potentially coach? Um, you know, whatever opportunities open themselves right now, it's kind of nice to be able to have that extra time to put into building the curriculum and getting used to this. Um, and but still having these opportunities like Chang because coaching is a big responsibility, especially at a district like this. Um, you know, like Pottsville had a huge basketball program, like that was their thing. So I didn't get involved with that a little bit late until a little bit later on. Um, because I knew it was a big commitment. I wanted to do a good job of that. So it's kind of nice this first year that I haven't gotten involved with anything yet. Um, just being able to go, you know, on the Friday nights when the football game's actually happening. So we'll see what happens in the future. But for right now, it's kind of nice just to be a spectator at these games. You're helping out with FBLA right now, though. That's, so there's your outside of school activity, outside of coaching. So tell us about your involvement with FBLA. Yeah, so Mrs. Peralta is doing an excellent job of getting me, um, you know, helping me with FBLA and learning a ton about it. We had the experience of going to um, these workshops at Kalahari Resort. Um, that was a great experience in the spring. Um, we have the competitions at Hershey that students participate in. So I'm learning a lot about FBLA. It's a very popular thing here. Um, our enrollment in FBLA is over 100, which is unheard of almost. So Hopefully we have a lot of future business leaders in this school, which is very exciting. So FBLA conferences at Kalahari. Yes. I'm picturing you and Peralta going down water slides, <laughs> like side-by-side side racing each other. Yes? No? We did not go on any water slides. Maybe next year, right? But not this year. We did not race on any water slides. Well, what else do you like to do in your spare time, if not water slides? What are some hobbies, some interests that are worth talking about? Yeah, so I'm a big sports fan, so I have Penn State season tickets, so I go up to every Penn State game. Um, oh. I golf a lot, but I'm just a big sports guy. I love going to any sporting event. Um, so I was upset when Penn State played and they moved the, uh, the district championship game for football this weekend. I would have liked to have gone to that. But, um, you know, I'm always looking for a sporting event to go to. And I like to golf a lot, which my wife does not like because that is a very 
Long activity. Time consuming. Yeah, time consuming. <laughs> but I'm, I'm a big golfer. Uh, are you a Penn State graduate? Yes, graduated from Penn State in 2016. What does it cost for season tickets? Is it costly? It's actually not nearly as expensive as people think. It's only about, I think it's like $580 per ticket. You get seven games. so a little bit less than 100 bucks per game. So it's not nearly as expensive as people think it is. Yeah. And we've always had that misconception. I was actually shocked when I graduated. I was like, oh, these aren't bad at all. So what do you have, like a pack of four? I have ticket? four and my brother has four. Oh, wow. So yeah. you guys go like eight people strong. We sell a decent bit. We're, we're kind of investing for the future. Yeah, we each have go. our own families, yeah. you know. So for yeah. right now, it's just I go with my wife. He goes with his wife, and we usually sell four per game. Fun. Helps cover some of the costs as well. All right. As we've uh, joked about a lot on this podcast, uh, you do share a name <laughs> with the original bassist from Van Halen, Michael Anthony. Um, however, you are not necessarily of a generation that would be that familiar with Van Halen tunes. So I have no more questions to ask you, but we're going to play a little name that Van Halen. A little tune. having a little fun. I did not brush up on my trip. <laughs> All right. First song. Here we go. Oh, you should know it already. Oh, man. Embarrassing. <laughs> Very famous instrumental off their first album. Good part. Oh, do you man. have any guess? I do not. I honestly have no idea. I'm sorry. That is Eruption by Van <laughs> Oh, man. This so is going to get embarrassing fast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm getting a sense I should switch to an easy one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The easiest. <laughs> if you don't know this one, I'm kicking you out of the studio. Oh, Here God. we go. Yeah, I know it, but I don't know the name of it. Oh, it's, what's it called? Jump, right? Yeah. That is correct. Oh, Here we go. We got Jump by Van Halen. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, from their album, 1984. All right. We got one. All right. Let's switch over to some Van Hagar. Hopefully you know what that means. <laughs> Pick this one because it's very bass heavy at the start. I don't know if I know this one. I'm going to have to change my name after this. <laughs> there it is. Okay. Now I, now I recognize it. Oh, no. I'm disappointed, yes. <laughs> that was Why Can't This Be Love by oh. Van Halen. I'm struggling. All right, two more, two more. You might know this one. It came out a little bit later. Very well-known song. It sounds familiar. I'll give you a clue. Crystal Pepsi. Oh, man. Now you're not just wondering about Van Halen. You're wondering, no, what, I is know. what is Crystal Pepsi? We studied Crystal Pepsi in, a, in, in marketing class this year, so I should. And they didn't mention the commercial for Crystal Pepsi that yeah. featured Van Halen's Right Now. Oh, right man. Now. You see, you didn't get to, like, that's the intro. 
I'm but that's the whole point. I wouldn't have you spot anywhere, it. I you guess. share a name with the guy. I know. <laughs> Can you spot it based on the intro? My homeroom teacher called me Van Halen for four years, too, <laughs> because of it. <laughs> there you go. This is a very funny joke for that. old guys. <laughs> yeah, I love that. All right. One final track. One more final I'll just say you're in the right profession. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what it was before you played it. I have to wait for the guitar to kick in. Probably. It's a really long intro. Drum solo. A lot of dialogue at the beginning of this song, too. There is. I think every verse starts with dialogue, or every verse is dialogue. No idea. That is Hot for Teacher by Van Halen. I really got to brush up on my Van Halen. It's probably better you don't know that one. (laughs) All right, Mr. Anthony, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you guys so much. This was awesome. Hey, happy Festivus, everyone. (laughs) And that is it. Our Festivus extravaganza wraps up. We wish everybody a very, very happy holiday. Enjoy. It's something inspirational. Subscribe on your device. We hope you have enjoyed the Spartan life. I got a lot of problems with you people, and you're about to hear about it. I said it better the first time. You're going to hear about it. I forgot how to start an interview. It's been a while. Do you want to start this one? No. Mr. Haub, I am Bill S. Preston Esquire. And I am Ted Theodore Roosevelt. And we are... Ted Theodore <laughs> Logan. Oh, his dag on it. <laughs> should we do it again? We should do it again. That's right. pretty darn good. Horse mom. Yes, horse mom. <laughs>